New to the living healthy lifestyle or a healthy living veteran, this is your place for honest answers. Naturally Savvy with registered holistic nutritionist Andrea Donsky and health journalist Lisa Davis. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Naturally Savvy Radio. My co-host Andrea is away today. Before we bring in our fantastic guest, the wonderful Dr. Judith Orloff, just such a huge fan. Today we're going to be talking about self-care for people who are empathic, which uh, is is, uh, everyone I know in my family, (laughs) including myself. Uh, Actually, I don't know if that's true. Maybe not everyone, but a lot of us. I think it's genetic. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about our wonderful sponsor, Nature Care. So, gals, it's time to rethink your period protection. Say goodbye to plastics, perfumes, and irritating synthetics, and check out Nature Care's organic and natural feminine hygiene products. They're made with chlorine Free, plastic-free, biodegradable materials. Nature Care is soft on the skin and soft on the environment. Their range of period products are the number one choice for women looking for sustainable feminine hygiene that doesn't let them down. They're available online and in health stores all around the U.S. Check out Nature Care today at NatureCare, N-A-T-R-A-C-A-R-E.com. Nature Care, healthier by nature. I now want to bring in our wonderful guest, Dr. or Judith Orloff, MD. Dr. Orloff, welcome back, I should say. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's so nice to have you back on. I love the book. And you write in the book, again, the name of the book is Thriving as an Empath, 365 Days of Self-Care for Sensitive People. Actually, before I even read what you say in the book, I do want to say uh, that some people might not know what an empath is. So how do you define an empath? An empath is a very sensitive person. I'm a psychiatrist, and I'm also an empath, so I combine my psychiatric skills with my empathic abilities. Being an empath is being an emotional sponge, somebody who is very open and sensitive and loving and deep, um, but they tend to not have the same filters that other people have, so they absorb the negative energy or the stress of the world into their own bodies. And so I wanted to write Thriving as an Empath to teach people how to be wildly empathic and not take on the stress of the world. It's a skill set to learn how to do this. Yeah, because I see it uh, in people in my family, and I see it the most in my daughter. And it can be very difficult because not only is she very empathic to, I would say, especially animals, but also with people, but then she anthropomorphizes on top of that. So there's things that don't need that sort of compassion. We're like, wait a second, don't make it even harder on yourself. And you talk about self-care being essential for all empathic people. When you say self-care, Dr. Orloff, what, what do you mean by that? Well, there are all kinds of levels of self-care. In the book, it's a daily reader. So I start with January 1st, January 2nd, and go through each month until the end of the year. And each day has a particular self-care technique that you can use to flourish um, and to really save your energy. And so self-care can run from learning how to set healthy boundaries, which is essential for an empath, learning that no is a complete sentence, um, learning how to not overhelp in social situations, learning that sensitivity is a gift. Um, all of these self-care techniques are essential to well-being because I, on this book tour, I've been traveling around, and as an empath, it's very stressful for me to go to airports and 
know, all the people all the time in the airports, not so much in my book events, but, you know, in, in the, the hubbub all around. And so I practice meditation in the airports. I practice deep breathing mm-hmm. in the airports. Uh, I practice setting my boundaries in airports. If somebody wants to come up to me and tell me their life story, which is very common with empaths, because we wear <laughs> an invisible sign saying, you know, I can help you. It's just right. the empath is a very sensitive soul, and people pick up, pick up on it. And so for me to right. say no. Yeah, I have that happen quiet. to me a lot. Yeah, right. So cool. and, and a lot of empaths are afraid of being impolite, and so they just listen when they really need to take that time for silence, to read, to restore their energy, and not have their energy going out all the time. And so you want to be really discerning about where your energy goes if you're an empath. And that's what this book is about in terms of learning different techniques. Some will resonate more than others, but having, you know, this backlog of techniques. So when you go in the holidays, let's say, to a family of energy vampires at the holiday dinner, you'll be able to identify what type of drainer are they, what strategy should I use with them. So you go in prepared as opposed to just getting run over by them. Well, define energy vampires for people who don't know that term. It's a great term, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Energy vampires are people who drain your energy. It could be the criticizer, the controller, the drama queen. Uh, The narcissist is a big one, and there are techniques in the book on how to deal with narcissists and not get sucked in. the borderline, somebody who splits, you know, they make one person good, one person bad. Um, mm-hmm. The passive aggressive, the rageaholic who actually dumps anger. So you have to identify them. And there's also a journal that goes along with the book where you can write about all of this so you could identify what empathic issues you have and what the solutions are so you don't forget. As it's good to write down, you know, what are, who are the top five people in my life who are draining, what type of energy vampire are are they and how can I, what strategy can I use to deal with them? So if you have that written down, you could turn to the page and you can go, aha, now I know what I'm going to do in this situation. So if you're a sensitive person, you have to be methodical about this and have a plan. Yeah, that is very true. You know, when I was looking through the book, I mean, there's so much that resonated with my daughter. And, you know, January 2nd, the gift of being different. You write, like many empaths, you may feel as if you don't belong in this world. My daughter says that to me all the time. And then you go on to say, as a child, I always felt different from my peers. Other kids love going to crowded parties and shopping malls, whereas I preferred climbing trees with my best friend or writing poetry. And, you know, you you said something that I, I so helpful, this anonymous quote, if you feel you don't fit into this world, it's because you're here to create a better one. You know, my daughter's 15, and she's at an age where she doesn't want to be different, and it's very hard. So what was that like for you? Was it, I assume, as you got older, it became easier to say, okay, so I'm different, and this is what I need to do, and I'm sensitive to this, and that's okay, versus right now where you just feel like, ugh, I just want to be like everybody else. I know. Yeah. I mean, at this point in my life, I love being the outsider. I love being different. (laughs) I don't want to fit into the mainstream. It's just not who I am. And so right. I, I love who I don't want to, you know, at this point. But as a teenager, I, I felt ashamed of my 
um, sensitivities and being an empath. My parents would say, oh, dear, you just have to get a thicker skin or you're right. overly sensitive or toughen up. You know, those kinds of things that make sensitive children feel like there's something wrong with them. Right. And that's how I felt as a teenager. And I got very heavily involved with drugs as a teenager to run from my abilities. You know, that's part of my story. Right. Um, and it's not yes. something I suggest for other people. Um, but there's sure. a, a section in my book, The Empath Survival Guide, about empaths and addiction. And so, mm, yep. you know, oftentimes empaths get overloaded by stimulation and are on sensory overload. And so they reach for a drug, a drink. Uh, sex, shopping, food, to numb themselves out so they're not overloaded. And that's a dynamic, right. if, if addiction is in play, that, you know, people need to be aware of. Now, very important because, you know, you have to learn techniques to decompress and center yourself other than reaching for some kind of addictive behavior. Yeah, I can totally see that. That's self-medicating is something that unfortunately yeah. people will turn to. And so what's so nice is that you're giving them things that they can actually do and techniques that they can learn. Uh, right next to January 2nd, the gift of being different, you have January 3rd, uh, I am not too sensitive. And you talked about that, your parents, your teachers, other people are like, oh, you're so sensitive. I mean, that's never a compliment. <laughs> so he's in that annoying tone. No, it, it isn't. And I'm just so tired of it. It's just like cliche already. You know, you're too sensitive. That's not true. No, and, and in that section, you know, I'd say if anybody tells you you're too sensitive, you must realize that's not true. That's not a true statement. You are a beautiful, sensitive, loving person, and you're a blessing to others. So you need to develop that. However, you need to be strong as well, and you need to develop the self-care techniques, the centering strategies, the grounding strategies, even something as simple as earthing, putting your feet on the earth, when you want to feel that connection, if you feel your mind is swirling or you're getting too heady, you know, you want to bring it down. So there are certain physical things you can do, you know, such as putting your bare feet on the earth. You know, it's very, you know, beautiful thing to do if you resonate with it. Or getting into a bathtub, which is, you know, something empaths love to do. Water detoxifies. Especially on this book tour, I depend on my bath. I need a room with a mm. bath, and not all rooms have bathtubs anymore, um, which True. I'm finding out. But I need to have my bathtub so I could get in there and just let everything go and decompress and come back to myself, and that's very useful. But I practice these things as I know what makes me feel good, and I know when I'm feeling off because I train myself to listen to my body, which is you know, in the book, how to listen to your body. What signs do you listen for? You know, listen for your energy going up around somebody or if your energy goes down around somebody. That's really important to know because yeah, people it is. will and look I good on having... paper, you know, yeah. and so you, you, it doesn't matter how they look on paper. It matters how you respond to them energetically and to honor that. Oh, completely. You know, the three-heart uh, minute, excuse me, the three-minute heart meditation, I love that. And you write, yeah. to calm stress and sensory overload as well as to connect with love, I suggest practicing the heart-focused meditation. So just tell us a little bit about it. Yes, this is my go-to meditation as an empath. I do it all day long. And mm. it's where I stop, take a few deep breaths, settle into my body, put my hand over my heart, in the middle of my chest, 
and focus on something I love. It could be the ocean, could be a waterfall because I love water. And just breathe slowly and allow that feeling of love to permeate my chest. And that's the healing energy is the heart, which is in the center of the chest. That's the center of unconditional love. Um, And so you want to keep activating that in your body every day because that will soothe you. It's a self-soothing technique, which many empaths don't learn because they don't have parents who who taught them how to self-soothe. They often grew up in chaotic, noisy, or abusive environments or just um, alcoholic parents. And so they never learn that this, not all empaths, but some, um, they don't learn how to self-soothe. So if you just learn how to put your hand on your heart, take a few breaths, encourage that sense of love to come into your chest, then you can relax. It's the most relaxing feeling. And I do this with my patients where I teach them in the office how to do, open up their heart. And I think it should be a basic skill for medical students. I really do. You know, learning how to oh, open I think your heart so before, don't you? before they see patients. Oh, completely. Yeah. Well, there's so many things they should be learning. <laughs> don't let this get started on the lack of nutritional information they get. Um, but, yeah, yeah, that would be great. You know, <laughs> On February 20th, I love this. This this may because people think my husband and I are weirdos because I sleep. I don't like sleeping with anybody. I like to sleep alone. Yeah. So you have sleeping alone yeah. or together. Um, and I'm talking about sleep. I like to sleep with him as in sex, but I don't want to sleep with him. You write, in traditional relationships, couples sleep in the same bed, but some empaths never get used to this. And, you know, we used to years ago. But number one, I get annoyed because yeah. literally we'd like, good night. His head would barely hit the pillow and he'd be asleep. And then I'd be jealous because he fell asleep so fast. And then he would get up to go to the bathroom and every little thing would wake me up. And then I snore and that woke up. It's like, you know what? This is ridiculous. Let's just sleep separately and let people say what they will. And believe me, they do. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> you mean they, they say judgmental things? Yeah. Or like my daughter will... You know, she'll have a friend over. She'll be like, that's my mom's room. That's my dad's room. And her friends are like, wait, what? They sleep, you know. So I said, well, I don't, you know, don't even mention it. Like, because I don't want her to have to be explaining that I'm a sensitive. It doesn't. But at the same time, it's ridiculous that I feel like I have to hide that. You know, we can't let people know. We have I, yeah, but I think this is a good conversation to have for those who are listening. As you don't want right. to be held hostage in a bed by a snoring partner or a partner that thrashes around. And even right. if your partner is quiet, you may just prefer to dream and sleep alone, one day a week, all days of the week, whatever you prefer. Yes. Now, in thriving as an empath, I want to give everyone the permission to consider some of these things without judgment, without you know social convention, just simply what feels right for you. And you could snuggle before you go to bed. I mean, there are all kinds right. of things you can do. So Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's great. Yeah, it just depends. And, and for a while, and, and we had a family bed, which is crazy because my daughter's sleep was so terrible. The only way she would sleep was on top of me. It was very difficult. Yeah. And so eventually oh, she slept on yeah. top of me, and then she slept next to me. I mean, she was still a baby. I mean, it, you know, there's the whole thing about you shouldn't sleep with a baby in the bed. I'm, I think it's okay, depend, you know. And so eventually, though, once she got out of the bed, I'm like, okay, I, I just want I just want my own space. And then it's just stayed like that since, you know, it's 14 years later. I still have my own bed. <laughs> I don't right. even want the dog well, that, You know, that's, li- that's liberation. And I hope everyone that's listening could, you know, ask some of these questions. What feels right to me? Does it feel right to sleep in the same bed? 
Do I need my separate space in the house? Do I need a separate house? Some empaths live in separate houses and just yeah. come together when they decide they want to do that. Or you could have separate wings in the house. I mean, there's so many ways to deal with an empath's uh, sense of overload that they experience from too much togetherness. Yes, empaths yeah, that's a good point. need alone time. No, they yes, need that. And however you get that, whether it's sleeping alone, whether you know it's getting your own bedroom, whether whatever you can creatively envision your life. But you know, I want to give people permission to ask these questions. You know, and not just sit silently and suffer in a lifestyle that's not working for you as a sensitive person. Yes, I completely agree. Uh, something that I, I love to do is clean out clutter. As a matter of fact, I spent two hours this morning going through the kitchen drawers and making sure that every I know where everything is. Where's the tape? Where's the scissors? Where's the nail clippers? Where's you know whatever the cords or the or the phone chargers? And and then there was all this miscellaneous paper and stuff. I'm like, no, I, this doesn't go here. I'm going to get a little file cabinet. Or I'm going to get this. Or I'm going to recycle it or whatever it is. And it's just you walk in and the counters just have maybe one or two things on them. And it's just better. And my husband, my daughter, uh, and myself, we all have ADD. And so it, it's just a disaster to be an empath. You yeah. know? It's just like the more clutter, the more we get unfocused. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a a day in the book that I focus on minimalism. You know, what is minimalism? Having instead of having your house crammed with tchotchkes and all kinds of stuff, you know, what is the minimal? What What do you need? Maybe one crystal on a counter, you know, and maybe that's it, or maybe nothing. Not nothing on the, you know, the the counters. Just open so that you your mind can roam. You know, rather than being cluttered everywhere, it's important. Psychic clutter, you know, in your own oh, mind yeah. or in your own house is not helpful. So in the spring, I, I've divided the book into the different seasons. There's certain yeah, activities so nice. are, yeah, associated with seasons of so spring cleaning, you know, getting going through that closet, you know, cleaning it out. I mean, it's not just your closet. It's your mind. It's your being that you're cleaning out. Right. Yeah, it's I did the whole connected. closet too today. I was on a roll. <laughs> when I get on a roll, it just it like three hours went exactly. by. It felt like ten minutes. Put exactly. on a good podcast and just uh, just go for it. You know, I mentioned uh, that my daughter is very empathic with animals, and and I'm obsessed with my dog Blue. He's a pity, and don't listen to what people say. He says pits are all love, all mush. They just want to smush on you all the time. And you wrote in your book, March 28th, Commune with Animal Friends, I was madly in love with my soulmate dog named Pipe, who emotionally got me through medical school. It's funny because I've had four dogs in my life, but yet I feel like Blue, I call him Mr. Baby, is like is like my soulmate dog. And I never really heard yeah. anyone else say that. So it was neat to read that. Oh, yeah. That dog was my soulmate. She stayed with me yeah. all through medical school. All through my residency, and when mm-hmm. I graduated UCLA, my psychiatric residency, that's when she passed. And so mm-hmm. she just, you know, signed up in this life to get me through. And I still, I, I have a picture of her up. You know, I love her. Mm-hmm. I still love her. I still feel connected yeah. to her. But empaths are often animal empaths, where they have a yeah. special connection to animals. And it's it's a very beautiful thing. Um, and so if you're listening and you, you know, have this special connection, not just with dogs and cats, but with birds and wild animals and, you know, hummingbirds, whatever you have, you know, we have hummingbirds here, which I just feel such a 
love for, a deep love and excitement for, um, butterflies, whatever you feel a connection to, go for it. Really enjoy it. That's the enjoyment of being an empath is that ability to connect like that, you know, with these souls that are in the animals, you know, that are there, that are unconditional love for us. Yeah. I notice when my daughter's overwhelmed, it really helps to cuddle. We have a lab as well, and and Mr. Baby's more cuddly, but sometimes our lab is cuddly, and and it's just, you just could see the weight lift off her shoulders, you know? And like last night, we or yesterday late in the afternoon, we went to the grocery store, and it was just a madhouse. And she just looked at me, she said, Mom, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Can we go to the restroom and just like get away from everybody. And I said, good sure. Her. She got home. She cuddled Mr. Baby. Yeah. She's, she's really good at self-advocating. And when she was little, I'd have to do it for her. Like we'd be at a holiday event and it was just too much. So she would go and cuddle with Grampy and he'd read her a little book or I'd go up, you know, it's just like being able to help them. And now what's great is she's able to say, I'm feeling such and such. And it's really nice. And you know, it's interesting because I mentioned the ADD, She's also on the autism spectrum, and I've noticed with people that have these types of issues that they are, they they have those empathic qualities. A sensory overload is is one of those. Being extra sensitive is one of those. So there's people who are empathic without those. But as a psychiatrist, I'm assuming you've seen that within the people I'm talking about, or that type of of, of diagnosis. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know. Uh... Autism is associated with increased sensitivity, not increased empathy, yes, but increased sensitivity. And so, right. you know, that's something to really deal with. The lights are too bright. The sounds uh, are too yeah. loud. You know, but that's an overlap with, with um, empaths. Empaths have that sensory overload uh, going on. It's, you know, I'm very sensitive to light, sounds, movement, crowds. You know, I don't yes. like going into noisy restaurants and having to yell you know, to hear no. each other. I, it's very unpleasant for me. Some people can do it because they could block out the rest of the world, but I, it's just too jarring for, for my system. Empaths have a neurological system that's extremely sensitive. You know, it's wired, you know, like a finely tuned instrument, and it's different than a non-empath. A non-empath has more um, kind of filters up where things don't affect them in the same way, and it's not one is better or worse than another. It's just that the empath, why I'm focusing on it in Thriving as an Empath in my other books is because it's a forgotten trait that needs to be brought out into the public, legitimized and honored, you know, rather than put down. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, my mother, unfortunately, passed away in her 50s, but she was definitely an empath and she would Mm -hmm. wear sunglasses all the time. People thought it was so odd, but she yeah, was super right. sensitive to light. She wouldn't drive on the freeway, mm-hmm. which made it take us three times as long to get to Hebrew school because she would take the back streets and then the kids in the car would be like, why can't your mom just drive on the highway? And as a kid, I'm like, I don't know, mom. Why? But it was like everything moved too fast. She had really yep. severe sensory issues and said, yeah, it was tough. And it, I mean, this is in the seventies. I mean, in eighties, people just thought she was nuts. They're like, you're just crazy. Just get over right. it. And, you know, they didn't right. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. you know, I've counseled many empath patients on driving. Yes, in L.A. it's such a big issue with the freeways. Cause I haven't yeah. driven the freeways for, for years and years. It's just too much sensory stimulation for me. And so I take the side roads when right. I have to go somewhere. Or if it's a long way, you know, take a car service or have someone drive me. But there, 
people are ashamed of not being able to do that, and they're put through, you know, various cognitive behavioral techniques to learn how to drive on the freeways, and that's fine, right. but it doesn't always work. And so I just encourage empaths to be very gentle with yourself. You know, just notice your sensitivities. If you can't drive on the freeway because too much is coming at you too fast, then work around it. It's perfectly right. fine. Well, it's so interesting, Dr. Orloff, because in my whole life, I've never heard anyone else who wasn't able to, until this moment, who didn't drive on the freeway because it was overstimulating. And <laughs> growing up, I, really? know, I never did. <laughs> she just couldn't do it. And it was just frustrating. But now as an adult, you know, and then I had my daughter and I was like, oh, my gosh, she's just like my mom with the sensory and the sensitivities and stuff. And it was just quite an awakening. It really it taught me a lot. And it really makes me sad that my mom never got validated. You know, she died in her 50s. Yes, and it's 90s, true. We, and we've evolved no... so much. Right. She would have Absolutely. loved you in your Ab- work, I'm telling you. <laughs> she would have been calling me she saying, She would yeah, have. I know. Yeah. Yeah, she really would. She would have loved it. But at least it. my daughter and, gets to there... enjoy it, and I do, right? So. <laughs> yes. And there's so yeah. many empaths awakening out there. There's so many who are, you know, owning their abilities and learning to work with them and their gifts. And, you know, I'm so gratified that these books have helped people come out and come into their power. And I feel very devoted to that cause, you know, for empaths to unite. I'm having an empath replenishment weekend next April in Los Angeles in Santa Monica Beach. So everyone's invited to come to that. (laughs) That's going to be a fun weekend. It's on my website, drjudithorloff.com. Oh, that's fantastic. Dr. Orloff, I wish we had more time. I always love having you on. It's been we got to do this more often. The book is fantastic, Thriving as an Empath, 365 Days of Self-Care for Sensitive People. I want to thank our sponsor again, Nature Care, wonderful products for feminine hygiene without all of the junk. Dr. Orloff, tell us once again how we find you and your wonderful work. You could find me on my website, dr. Dr. Judith Orloff. O-R-L-O-F-F dot com and Thriving as an Empath is on that site. My uh, online course for empaths is on that site and all my schedule on the self-care retreat for empaths is on my site. So please visit. Uh, That is fantastic. I want to thank you so much, Dr. Orloff. I want to thank everyone for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe. You can find us on social media at Lisa Davis MPH at Andrea Donsky at Your Radio MD. Thanks for listening and stay well.